Hey, it's Pete. A familiar voice, hopefully. Uh, anyway, I want to take a quick moment to highlight the amazing work of the team here at Your Money Line. A few years ago, we noticed this weird, nasty trend that people had financial questions, they had challenges, they had this missing piece to their financial puzzle, and they weren't getting the answers. So then they get stuck, they get paralyzed, and they wouldn't take action, and their financial life would meander and loiter in a bad place. So that's why we created this place. Uh, we have an employee benefit company, and it's called Your Money Line, and that's what it does. We help companies succeed by improving the financial lives of their most valuable asset. Not their break room, their employees. Everything we talk about is confidential. And you get access to a certified financial expert to get all your money questions answered, big or small. That's your money line. So bring your money line to your company. Check us out at yourmoneyline.com or any of the social networks you happened to deal with on a regular basis. Good day to you. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete, A-S-K, Pete, as in the name, not the earthy loam. Hello, Damien. Welcome to the show. Hello, Peter. Thank you. Earthy loam. Sounds earthy. Dame, here's how the show works. People email us and we answer it, and that's what we're about to do right now. Um, This email is from Troy. In Chicago, we have two daughters who will be entering the work world in the next few years. My wife and I would like to instill in them the benefits of compounding investments and preparing for retirement. Those are good parents. In three to four years, we will begin gifting each child $30,000, $15,000 from me and $15,000 from my wife. Do you think they're adopting? Because I would, uh, I'm in. The money will come with the stipulation it must be deposited into an established 401, subsection K, and a 457 retirement plan. I will be assisting them in setting up these accounts. My wife and I believe this is a better use of our estate planning instead of the children receiving an inheritance in the future, hopefully later than sooner. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm not dead. Not wanting to be Debbie Downer. But is there a way to have these retirement funds protected in the event that they get married and then divorced? Hmm. I understand once people get married, everything is considered marital assets and will be divided via the divorce decree. I just do not want my daughters to lose this money as it would impact their retirement and obviously our intent. This money is for our children, not an ex-spouse. Is there a way to protect this money? From this type of scenario, Troy and Chicago. <laughs> well, you know what? You go. I'm just, <laughs> just going to sit back. You sit and think about the voice that you just ascribed to Troy and you really consider if that was appropriate. Oh, if you heard something, that's on you. That was just a <laughs> normal voice. Yeah, sure. Um. He said he he wants uh, the thirty grand in gift, uh, fifteen from his him and fifteen from his wife. He wants that to go into a four hundred one k or a four fifty seven account. That's right, Dame. Okay, pretty simple. Uh, is Troy a, their employer as well? I wouldn't think so. Okay. 
Um, Troy's going to have, uh, I guess not Troy, but uh, his daughters are going to have a very difficult time uh, putting that money into an employer-sponsored retirement plan uh, because that's uh, the only way money gets into a 401k uh, account. So if, uh, if he wanted to give them that money, assuming or uh, with proof possibly that his daughters were contributing $15,000 of their paycheck into a 401k. I mean, that would be one way potentially uh, around that. Uh, otherwise, the 401k is not going to work. That's that's just not going to happen. Uh, you may think, what about an IRA? Well, IRA has considerably lower contribution limits. So that's probably not going to work very well either for what he is hoping for. So and correct me if I'm wrong here, Pete, uh, it seems like his greatest concern, along with teaching his daughters uh, the importance of compounding and uh, letting time do its thing, which is a fantastic lesson to learn early in life, is protecting the cash from potentially uh, an unscrupulous spouse in the future, or ex-spouse, I guess, would be the one to be concerned about. Is that how you see it? This plan has more holes than a colander. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, there's a lot going on here, Dame. Yeah. So the, and I appreciate it. Like everyone has their own wishes. That's why we do these things. But okay. First of all, you can't do what he's suggesting, right? You, you said that. Yes. And he could, right? Uh, give them the money and then have them really increase their 401k contributions. Um, to match those, but they would only go up to what? 19,000 bucks. Yeah. And then they could do another IRA to the tune of 6,000, right? So now they're, they're got five out there to figure out what to do with. <sighs> it however, just doesn't work. However, 401ks get split up with quadros all the time. Yeah. Uh, quadro no, no, qual- no, that, qual- qualified that, domestic relations order. So I'm um, uh, for roughly 50. Oh, I thought you were just going to keep the jargon going and just leave everybody in the dark. Sorry. Let's so, do that. you know, for roughly uh, 50% of you who have are listening to the show and have maybe been divorced, uh, you may have been, uh, you may have agreed to, uh, give up part of your retirement assets to the other spouse at some point. And that would come under the qualified domestic relations order, uh, part of the uh the law there so even in retire or a divorce a retirement accounts aren't necessarily shielded from uh a, a ex-spouse so there's only one it's all fair game at it that is point. it is and i think you can kind of see where this is going if if he wants to have ultimate control or make sure his daughters are protected from it there's only one kind of quasi answer that may fit this bill yep and he's gonna have to get an attorney involved I don't. I think Troy probably has an attorney. I would have guessed. Uh, so he would need to get a trust. Yep. And then have investments that are in the trust. Now, here's the thing: unless he sets up like a, oh, irrevocable, irrevocable mm-hmm. trust, then they're going to deal with issues in regards to taxation, mm-hmm. and and there's no qualified status to it. I mean, he could do like a charitable remainder trust, but then the, the what 
the ass the what how's that work though the money i should know these things the money go the, the income goes to the kids but then the asset itself is for the trust is for the charity or is it the vice I, versa i think that's the way that it works um no oh boy yeah it's you been a, it's been a minute since i've looked at crutch but so this this whole thing doesn't work on any level and i know we're trying to give him a solution here but i, I will if i i feel like i need to try to find some positive light here I love the idea that instead of giving an inheritance later, you not only show a young person how money grows, but then you are having it happen so that the money grows. Like, so, so it is a higher amount when they get it. Mm-hmm. I really, I really like that. Um, it feels I mean, look, I'm, this is rude. It seems really heavy handed. No. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I get it, though. I mean, it's it's the guy's money. He's like, well, look, it's my money. I want to have sure. happen what I want to have happen. Nothing wrong with that. Sure. I There, there wasn't a really delicate way for us to uh, approach this question because the, the, what his wishes are is, are, is not possible. Uh, it's, right. It's unfortunate. And to be perfectly honest, there are very few ways that I think he can accomplish what he wants to. Uh, I, well, not even what he wants to accomplish. A a version of what he wants to accomplish. And even then it's going to, I'm not sure the lesson is going to be um, implemented or as easily learned or absorbed by the way that he could shield the assets and protect them for the benefit of his daughters. I mean, this is just a tricky situation. It really is because if you try to teach someone something, yet there are restrictions as part of it, how much does a person really learn? Because then it goes to the old, I just simply want to do the opposite of what my parents tell me to do when I'm a sure. young adult. Yeah. But here's the thing. I get it. Like, I, you know, I would sound like I was beaten up on him. I probably was beaten up on him, but I totally see his perspective. Sure. It's his money. Yeah. Do what he wants with it. But the second it transfers to someone else, then it becomes their reality. And he loses control of that. I think he's learning to transition from the parent of an adolescent to the parent of a young adult. And I think that is his own personal challenge. And honestly, one that I think a ton of people are going to struggle with. Me Me included. I can make fun of it now. I'm not in it. (laughs) I've got a, I've got a few years before I have to deal with it. It's coming. All right. Coming up after the break. Uh, More of these questions. That was a doozy. Yeah. All right. uh, This is the Pete, the planner show. I'm Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Uh, Damien, I forgot. I teased at the beginning of last week's show a special announcement. And then I forgot to actually make the special announcement. That's the ultimate tease. It just took a week to get to. I'm not good at this. Um, uh, We have a new consumer service coming soon called Hey Money. Hey Money exposes people, (laughs) expert advice uh, on a regular basis in a very simple, affordable, convenient way that never tries to sell anybody thing, never tries. There's no upselling. We don't want to manage your money. We just want you to... uh, make better decisions so you can rely on our bevy of experts to do so. If you want to uh, sign up to learn more, because it is launching, I believe, in the first week of February, 
Go to PeteThePlanner.com slash HeyMoney. That's all one word. PeteThePlanner.com slash HeyMoney. Enter your email address and we will let you know when it launches and you can look at pricing and everything else then. Uh, Dame, I've been thinking about this for 15 years. How do you take a financial service, make it affordable for, for literally anyone? Well, that's not true. I mean, it's just not, it's not literally true, right? It's, it's, it's more affordable than most things in the financial world. Correct. And, um, it doesn't create a compensation system based on furthering our relationship, right? Like the problem with the financial services industry at time to time is I may have a low nominal fee to help you, but uh, I do that because I want to further our services and charge you more later. There is none of that. This is a flat fee get help, move on. And I'm excited about it. Yeah. I, you, I know you've been working on this for a long time. The idea, like you said, been rolling around in your head for 15 years, but actively working on it for quite a while. And frankly, I'm kind of surprised you kept your mouth shut about it. I am too. Uh, so anyway, PeteThePlanner.com slash hey money. Uh, sign up for the email to learn more. Good day, Pete. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy listening to podcasts regularly on my travels to and from work. You and Damien have some pretty good banter while still being very informative. <laughs> Do you remember the guy that left the uh, review on iTunes that said, gave us like one star and he said, show, if you left out the jokes, the show would be much shorter and just give us the information. I'm like, yeah, I know, bro. Don't listen. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want we don't want that guy to listen. Ten minutes of info wrapped in like thirty minutes of entertainment or something. Google it, jerky. Uh, I'm 38 year old male working for the DOD as a U.S. government civilian. Do you think this guy has fashion camo? Uh, I bet he wears the real stuff. As a U.S. government civilian, which gives me an eventual FERS F E R S uh, retirement, and I contribute to my TSP. Man, we need uh, Queen of the Desert on this one, don't we? Darn right. You know, I should have had her on this segment. I blew it by having you. Yeah, yeah, you did. The USG matches with 4% if I put in at least 5% myself. I have 11 years of government service and would like to retire at age 60. My current usual gross income is 115000 American dollars. As of late 2019, I contribute to a traditional TSP and a Roth IRA. My TSP is currently at approximately $132,000. My Roth IRA just came down to $17,000. Came down. I say just came down because I had to pull my contributions for this year. Ah, I traveled a bit, a good bit for work to less desirable locations, which meant pay incentives and copious amounts of overtime. This led to me busting the married filing jointly limit for contributions. Dame, when I was reading that, that sentence at first, it said, this led to me busting the marriage. I was like, I think he's going to say, this led me to busting the marriage. <laughs> like, ruined his marriage. We shouldn't laugh. No. The kids are older and both in school, elementary and middle. My wife is in the process of going back to work, also for the USG, which is the United States Golf. She will contribute to TSP again. Her traditional TSP is around 12000 from her previous time working. With her getting back into employment, we will likely dance right near the Roth IRA limit year to year, eventually passing it permanently as she promoted to her high level of awesomeness. I love when a guy is proud of his wife. Absolutely. We would like to limit the taxes we pay in retirement from our portfolio. Is it better to contribute to the Roth IRA when we can, or should I start a Roth TSP from zero 
at this point, appreciate any advice and insight, even if you and Damien do not agree. And this is my favorite part of the email. Very respectfully, (laughs) Jim. Here's what I learned from uh, the Queen of the Desert. She told us that when someone signs something very respectfully that uh, in the military or in those circles, that is holding someone in very, very high regard. Yes. And so when I email her, I always <laughs> say very respectfully. If you just say just respectfully, that's a thing too, but very respectfully, you know. Indeed. Thank you, Jim. This is interesting, Dane, because I don't feel like you and I have, I mean, I do know some things about FERS and, and TSPs and all those sorts of things. Uh, but I don't feel like we have to know anything about those in order to answer this question well, because it really all boils down to the last second to last sentence, which is we would like to limit the taxes we pay in retirement from our portfolio. Is it better to contribute to the Roth IRA when we can, or should I start a Roth TSP from zero at this point? We can answer everything with just that one question. And I'm going to let you begin. His name was Jim. Is that right? Yes. Uh, that was a six minute setup, by the way. We it, have three minutes to go. It was great. I could, well, it's, it's okay because I think I think the answer is, is fairly straightforward. And uh, as much as Jim uh, would uh, potentially enjoy listening to us disagree with each other on this, well, maybe not this case, but uh, other cases. Uh, next segment. Buddy. Yeah, next segment probably. Um, yeah, if they want to minimize taxes in retirement, then open up that Roth side and, and pay them now. You may take a hit. Uh, up front now since uh you're you're making a, a nice chunk of money especially as your wife uh continues to uh, reach her uh, level of awesomeness i believe was the phrase yep. uh, but if taxes are a concern for you in retirement get it out of the way now and start paying uh, start funding that roth uh, as as much as you can that is the roth tsp correct to be more specific yes go ahead and and uh contribute to the Roth IRA if you still can. But the more practical and long-term solution would be the Roth TSP because you're not going to have to be wary of your contribution limits uh, compared to the Roth IRA. And by the way, just because you're starting from zero, believe it or not, doesn't matter because that any deposit, whether you deposit into an account that already has money in it or you deposit into an account that doesn't have money in it, it grows at the same rate and you would end up with the same balance. Yeah, it can be kind of confusing because you don't see, um, you know, as numbers get bigger and you see the growth of the contributions that you made, you know, 10 years ago or whatever it may be, uh, it can be a little deceiving. But you know, the, the dollars that you put in today are doing the same thing that the dollars are doing uh, that you put in 10 years ago. They're growing at the same rate. So, yeah, so let's illustrate that for a second. Dame, let's say a person's got 50 grand in one account and they've got zero in another account and they add $100 a month to the account that has 50 grand in it. They would have the same balance if they just put the $100 a month in the zero balance account uh, if you added those two accounts together at the end of time. So it, it does not matter at all what the starting balance is when it comes to where do you put the future contributions. And that's why... Although you're starting at zero and it can be disheartening because you your balance isn't going up as fast as you want, you just have to mentally add the two together because that hypothetical $50,000 balance would still be growing at whatever rate of return the account is earning. I think that's a simple solution. I would 100% like, let's go start the Roth TSP and don't look back. Entirely. Yeah, I think it's a good solution for what uh, what Jim and his wife are trying to accomplish. 
You know, the the thing I like about government work in, in we've had a ton of people on the show. When the show used to be Million Dollar Plan and we'd have a person actually on and talking to them, um, we had a ton of government workers. If If you take the time to learn how your benefits and retirement work, you can have a beautiful financial life, even if you're getting paid a little less than what you can make out in the private space. I think people who work in government, especially couples, they can make a killing. Uh, so that's great. So thank Jim. Thanks for email and uh, congrats to the awesomeness of uh, your wife. Coming up after the break, Dame, I'm going to find an email that you and I can disagree with. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the show. Back on the Pete the Planner show, uh, answering your money questions. Damian Dunn joins me from Studio North. Damian, we've not shouted out our uh, radio affiliates in some quite some time. And as I bring this up, I realize I do not have the list in front of me. Hmm. And this may, you remember at least one of them. Uh, WQHK, I believe, uh, in Kendallville, Indiana. I think me bringing this up and then not saying the affiliates was a big mistake. I think it probably wasn't thought through quite as well as it should have been. Dear Pete, I have life insurance through work, but my neighbor who sells life insurance tells me that I should have life insurance outside of work. I'm convinced he's just trying to sell me life insurance. My wife agrees with my neighbor. Who do you agree with? Mark. Oh boy. So wait, Dame, you and I are going to be positioned between a man, his wife, and the wife and the neighbor. Is that how this is going? That, that doesn't sound very comfortable. I feel like we should, we would need some beer. Um, this is a, this is also a simple question. There's zero chance we disagree on this. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go first. Go you ahead. Know what? Please do. Here's the thing. Group life insurance is great. It's a nice little benefit. And in most cases, if you work for a large company and you've got really good pricing, which means nothing to a person who doesn't look at life insurance rates all day, you should probably buy as much as you can, right? I, I don't think you can be overinsured when it comes to group insurance because you're paying pennies on the dollar. But here's the real issue. When you leave that job, oh, and you will leave that job, sometimes in a body bag. <laughs> Sorry, that got a little dark. <laughs> when you leave... <laughs> When you, <laughs> sorry, it's been a weird day. When you leave that job, a lot of times that life insurance goes away. And so then you go to a different job and you either, they don't have life insurance available for you to buy cheap or at all, or your health has changed and therefore you don't qualify for life insurance. So I like the majority of a person's life insurance to be owned outside of work. And yes, it is more expensive, but it is portable. And uh, sort of a more uh, sustaining strategy. Uh, Dame, come at me, bro. Do you disagree? No, I for the exact same reasons that that you stated. It's it's not yours. I mean, occasionally you'll have uh, an opportunity to continue the insurance that you have at a job if you were to leave it, but there are usually some stipulations that come along with that, and it does become more uh, expensive. Uh, and you're not the one in control. You don't know if that company is going to be uh, one that uh, is is going to um, 
come through for the, your beneficiaries when uh, when needed most. Uh, so you want to have as much control over the situation as possible. So yeah, own your own life insurance, whether that's term, whether that's permanent, I don't really care. Uh, the key is just to make sure that you've got enough coverage to take care of, of all the needs that you've identified and maybe even some you haven't. You know, you mentioned not caring whether it's term or permanent life insurance. A day doesn't go by that you or I are not solicited to express someone else's opinion about what type of life insurance to own. Uh, People like to have a really heated opinion about that. And look, I get it. Believe me, I understand it. I just don't think it matters. I, I think the only thing that matters with life insurance is that you have the proper face amount, which is the right amount of life insurance, and you have it for the right period of time. Beyond that, I don't care what type it is. It's whatever fits within your financial situation. But for Dame, for me to say to a person, always buy term or always buy permanent, that's silly. And it's ignoring people's actual realities. Yeah. I mean, let's just keep perspective here. I mean, what's the primary goal of life insurance usually? survivor needs. Yeah. Survivor needs to make sure that those that you would leave behind once you well move on to, uh, you know, whatever, uh, put you put in a body bag, put in a body bag, Johnny. That's from karate kid. I, thank you. Yeah. I, I was, took me right there. I was like, I was a kid in the eighties again. Daniel LaRusso is going to fight. Daniel LaRusso is going to fight. I love that movie so on, much on one leg. If that movie is on television, instant stop and watch until the conclusion really yes and i will also say i loved karate kid 2 and why that's important is because the opening scene for karate kid 2 in my opinion is one of the best opening scenes of a sequel in movie history because it picks up 10 minutes later from episode one yeah you're immediately thrust back into uh, episode one plot line I do feel like Ralph Macchio had picked up a few LBs, though, in the 10 minutes. And and, and arguably, his beard had grown. (laughs) You know, I I hadn't noticed. A little bit. He had like some little, little, what are we talking about? What is it? Life insurance? Life insurance. So if if Daniel would have died in that that (laughs) ring, I don't know. That's good. Um, if Sato's nephew would have killed him. <laughs> yeah, it, it too. was an honor killing at that point. So, yeah. you know. Live or die, man. Live or die. Neither. Honk. No, he, no, he says, the guy goes, die. And he goes, wrong. Honk. Yeah. Oh, good times. We just lost all the millennials. I uh, Probably. Uh, go watch it. Uh, spend some time uh, over your, your break and Does that movie hold classics. up? Probably not. You know what the best... 80s movie was of all time and i'm not sure it holds up was space camp oh yes God, I, love, I wanted I to go to space, space camp, camp. Oh, me too so bad you know who went to space camp phil schumann you're kidding no we got to have him on to talk about that phil schumann a executive director of the office of financial literacy at indiana university he went to space camp i think <laughs> that's true or i made that up well he might as well run with it now and just tell us all about it we should have him on the show next. I don't know if we can get him in short notice like this. Do you think we could go to uh, space, to space camp? camp? I think it got shut down because the, all the money went to uh, Space Force. Oh. I don't know. Is Space Camp still a thing? I don't know. How much 
life insurance should an astronaut have 10 times their income, right? Yeah. Just like everybody else. How much money does an astronaut make for a living? All right. This is, God, this might be the best segment in the 10 years of the show. Astronaut income. Oh, here we go. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. What is it like? According to NASA, what were you going to say? Is it like 75 grand or something? No. According to NASA, civilian astronauts are awarded a pay grade of anywhere from GS-11 to GS-14. Man, we need the queen of the desert here so bad right now. So the income range is relatively wide. Starting salaries for an astronaut begin at just over $66,000 a year, whereas seasoned astronauts, on the other hand, uh, can earn upward of $144,566 a year. Dame, you got to pay me a lot more than $66,000 to go to space. Well, then you're not an astronaut. There are people who do that for free if they wanted to, if they could. But the idea that an astronaut would only need $660,000 of life insurance, first of all, FYI, (laughs) an astronaut is, God, this has got dark. An astronaut is not getting approved for $660,000 of life insurance. (laughs) Do you hang glide? No, but I do sit on a rocket. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what, what was the, it's like the aviation and avocation, uh, yeah. like uh, a questionnaire. And yeah. it's like, are you a pilot of a small plane? Nope. How about the <laughs> space shuttle endeavor? And it's like, oh man, that's going to get rated. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that's should, gonna... Why are we laughing about this? <laughs> I don't know. Cause we're nerds. Uh, you nerds, are. another um, movie. Oh, well. A Revenge of the Nerds was a good movie. Yeah. Like there was nude. Uh, all right. So, Dame, the answer is life insurance primarily should be outside of work and then supplement the bejesus out of it with the stuff at work because it's cheap uh, and it just makes sense. No one ever, when someone passes away, looks at all the life insurance left over and goes, man, we have too much. Wish they wouldn't have done that. It's always not enough. So, you know, get the group of coverage. Coming up after the break, Dame, what are we at? What segment is this? Uh, this three? is the third segment. Oh, boy. Fourth segment, we're the biggest waste of money of the week and some current events. So, uh, oh, boy, this is a heck of a show. Uh, Karate Kid, y'all. Live or die, man. (laughs) This is the Pete the Planner Show right here on the Pete the Planner Radio Network. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is, I've got two. You know, Dame, it just occurred to me, one, I think you said the wrong call letters of the station we were looking at earlier. Yeah, I think that's like, I think that's entirely possible. I, I said... Uh, me not acknowledging any of them, cities or call letters, or you getting them wrong. What's actually worse? I probably, since it's my show, I'm probably in the wrong here. I'm going to say it's me screwing up uh, the one that I took a swing at. Dame, this week's biggest waste of money of the week, there are two. The first is the aged and or travel decanter. Alcohol isn't as travel friendly as it should be. That's actually a piece of copy that I just read. Mm. I'm going to read that again. Yeah, please. Alcohol isn't as travel friendly as it should be. Hmm. <laughs> what does that even mean? Is it a, you know, the person that wrote that was like, that's clever. Is there a portability problem that I'm not aware of? This new decanter from aged and or aims to change that. It's made using hand-blown glass and is perfect for pre-mixed cocktails, wine, or two-thirds of that bottle of bourbon you've been waiting to share. 
It comes with two double-walled vacuum. The word vacuum always looks like it's spelled wrong because it feels like it should be two C's, but it's two Two U's. U's. Vacuum-insulated tumblers that screw together to protect the decanter while sealing it up and keeping it everything ice cold once you reach your destination. Unscrew the tumblers and use the decanter's easy-to-grip polygonal shape <laughs> pause to pour your drinks aided by two ounce pour indicators etched into each tumbler the vessel is ideal for your active lifestyle but also elegant enough to display comfortably on your bar cart at home until it's called in to action dame first of all it's 58 dollars. dame this is dumb for about nine reasons number one as a frequent traveler i can tell you this is not getting through my morning frisking at the Indianapolis International Airport with TSA. Hmm. You can't take liquids in this. You, it's just stupid. What are you doing? Two-thirds of a bottle of bourbon through a TSA checkpoint? Yeah, good luck with that. Just douse someone with it and light somebody on fire and crash a plane. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I was trying to just like get illustrate. <clears throat> hmm. The second reason is, let's say you weren't flying and you were just going on a car ride with your friends. That's drinking and driving, Damien. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you seem like you're into this. What? You you seem skeptical of my logic. No, I did. I started off by asking if there was a problem with the portability of alcohol in the first place. No. In fact, um, have you ever heard of a flask, right? Number two? Yeah. Uh, you can also put things in a fake bladder, you know? Fake bladder? Tape it to your leg. Like a good American would? I believe that's a real bladder. It's a real bladder, but it's fake in the sense that it's not your biological bladder. The next biggest waste of money of the week is the Bugatti Veyron Grand Sport Vitesse. What is it? Uh, One-eighth scale model. Developed as a special edition for Bugatti designer and artist Etienne. I don't care what his name is. I'm going to call him Gary Smith. This outstanding one-eighth scale model is a painstaking recreation of the Veyron Grand Sport The model, rendered here in white to spotlight Salome's design, was creating using digital scans and original CAD files, uh, ensuring that every detail from the air intakes to the gear shift is as accurate as possible. It arrives mounted on a display base, protected by a clear acrylic cover with a signed plaque certificate and an original, whatever the guy's name is, hand sketch of the Grand Sport Vitesse's profile. Dame, this little model car, 1.8 scale is $11,995. So it's uh, you know roughly the price of one wheel and tire for the, the real Bugatti. You're a car guy. Have you ever seen a Bugatti in person? I have. Have you ever touched a Bugatti? Uh, no, I don't believe I have. Have you ever woke up in a new Bugatti? No, I have not. What current events do we have this week, Dave? Pete, I'm not sure if you're aware, but um, Boeing's having a tough year. Oh, my gosh. Did we talk about the Dreamlifter on this show? I don't think so. What's the... Uh, no. I was in Charleston like a month ago, and I'm driving in Charleston, uh, South Carolina, is one of the main Boeing facilities right at the airport there. I was driving to the airport, and I drove past this Boeing facility, and there is an airplane the size of Taj Mahal, and it's an airplane that they ship other airplanes in. Oh, Google it later. Everybody dream lifter, dream lifter. Watch a little video on it. Jaw dropping. I've never seen anything bigger in my life. Wow. It's what I imagine a blue whale to be. (laughs) Do you remember when you were a kid and you thought a blue whale was the size of a dream lifter? 
I didn't know what a Dreamlifter was. Boeing's having trouble, you say? Uh, yeah. Uh, turns out they're going to uh, shut down production of the 737 MAX aircraft in January. Uh, New York Times calls it one of the most consequential decisions in the manufacturer's more than 100-year history. Uh, well, primarily because, well, Boeing makes a ton of airplanes. Therefore, if, if Boeing shuts down production, that's going to have effects that ripple throughout the rest of the industry. So uh, in order, uh, instead of producing uh, airplanes that have a, uh, we'll just say a sketchy safety record. Can you say allegedly, dude? Uh, we don't have the show budget for, you know, insurance for this thing. You know what? Two planes crash in the span of five months, killing dude, 346 people. Allegedly. No, I'm pretty sure those people are dead. Uh, no, reportedly. Okay. I'm not trying to get sued. No. It's on you. I, I'll refer it back to my employer. No. Uh, allegedly. Yeah. So it, you know, thing, yeah. If, if Boeing shuts down uh, the production and it, the article notes that they don't anticipate any layoffs, which is interesting. Uh, but if they shut down production, uh, man, there are manufacturers across, uh, well, probably the world, honestly, that are going to feel the effects of this. And in fact, you know, Boeing's having such a bad year. It is the main drag on the Dow this year. That's why the Dow is lagging or one of the reasons the Dow is lagging the S&P 500, which both are still having phenomenal years, by the way. But Boeing is just getting crushed. Can I level uh, or levy, shall I say, an appenzi on you? Real quick? I, I love appenzies. Um. I like to fly. I don't, I shouldn't say that. I don't like to fly. I just do fly. And it's not that I dislike to fly. I like Boeing's better than Airbus's. I mean, in general, like an Airbus 319 or 320 or whatever the heck they are. I, I prefer, I prefer a Boeing and I can't tell you why. And what I've just said is arguably the dumbest thing I've ever said in the history of the show. Two things in life are certain death and holiday flight delays. If you thought we were going to say taxes, well, do we have some stats? What's the next story, Dame? I'm telling... Come on. Well, no, it's my job to move it along. I I moved on. What's the next current event? It's about taxes and corporations, not Boeing. Oh, there was a segue. That was a segue. You stepped all over it. Uh, uh, My deepest apologies, good sir. (laughs) According to the Left-Leaning Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy... 379 of America's biggest companies paid an average federal tax rate of about 11% last year, roughly half the official 21% rate established by President Trump's 2017 tax cut. Is it cowardly that I understand both sides of that argument? No, I don't think so. I feel like now if you, if you, if you, if you see both points and you don't have a hot take that somehow you're a, you're a weenie. You know, but I, I feel like I understand both sides of the argument. Both make some interesting points, but I don't think it, I think it's a little more complicated than everyone should be taxed a lot or, um, yeah, I see why they don't have to pay taxes so that they, and you know, have jobs and they don't pay their taxes over to see, you know, I get it. I, I right. I see both sides. Yeah, sure. Uh, let me turn the heat up real quick with the few seconds we have remaining. 91. And I, of course, did not articulate that point very well as I, in the last 20 seconds, but go ahead and turn the heat up. Uh, 91 corporations in the Fortune 500 paid no federal taxes last year despite earning a combined $101 billion. Their average federal tax rate was negative 5.9%, so a tax refund. I don't find myself to be a right-wing person in any capacity, uh, especially far right-wing, but I would say this, that they paid a lot of different taxes. They just didn't pay federal income tax. Correct. They paid a ton of taxes. Yeah. 
let me tell you. Uh, that's the thing. It's like I, I look at what, as an employer, what I pay in taxes and what I pay for, you know, my obligations I have to pay. I paid so much in taxes. It's not as easy as to say they didn't pay federal income taxes, so they didn't pay taxes. It's it's just not that simple. Anyway, Dwight, those emails are going to be fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ask Damien at PeteThePlanner.com. <laughs> That's ask Damien at PeteThePlanner.com. Uh, good day. Have a good year, uh, Dame. This is the last show of the year. Good vibes. Good vibes on the budget. Pete the Planner. Pete the Planner Show.